Welcome to Unapologetic Women, a conversation with Tony and Saoirse about current affairs, culture, politics, life, and how we got here. And we're back. We're back. I'm bleeding uh, since we last spoke. Oh, oh. Okay. <laughs> I am a woman, but it's not that. Um, it is. It is from my finger, and for those of you who've had a finger bleed, you know how much blood it is. Um, so I'm just. Yeah. That's that's my journey. Um. If you start turning pale and blue, I'll let you know that you're about to pass out. We've got good for full four K HD HD videos here, so I can. I've heard that bubbles um helps thin your blood, so I'll sure. drink to that. Okay. <laughs> Last week we had an interesting segue of talking about the Queen and ended up talking about capitalism and influences, which you know here for for here for tracks. that journey, and then obviously it tracks, and then obviously at the same time. There's the new PM in the UK as well, Liz Truss, that we have to talk about. There absolutely is. Uh, and so, Liz Truss. Sasha's so got, so got something first. <laughs> well, just for folks listening, there is a um, conservative... It's, by the way, gen, general election. It's 2025, isn't it? We're way away Two years, from yeah. the next general... Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Right now, or not right now, um, but there is the Conservative Party conference that's taking place this month in the UK. Yep. And that is where, for those of you who don't know, that is where the Conservative Party members come to rah-rah um, around their party, set some policy agendas. They're kind of, if you think of it in an American term, it's like convention. They happen every year and every political party has them. All the bigger political parties host them more or less at the same time. Exactly. It's a big lobbying exercise as well. Let's not kid ourselves. You see the same lobbyists that go to the Conservative Party then that show up at the <laughs> the Liberal Party and then that show up at the... This is me being extremely no, um, pessimistic. I love it. it. It's, it's true. It's true. Like, it's 100% true. It's a lobbyist showdown. It's a lobbyist yeah. showdown. Anyway. So the thing that I found to be fascinating, and I the reason I want to bring this up, mm-hmm. is we talk a lot about women, women in politics, and, you know, would you rather it be a candidate you agree with or would you rather it be a woman, gender politics as a whole? And so <clears throat> when doing some light research, um, one of the first articles that appeared to my dismay, that's the language I'm going to use, was Liz Truss. 10 of the new Prime Minister's biggest gaffes and awkward moments. Who published this? Can I ask? This the Independent. Okay. Fuck. It's not, not like a BuzzFeed article. <laughs> no, no, it's not The Sun. Yeah. It, or the, it, or the it's, Daily uh, Mail. It's a, rep- <laughs> it's a reputable source. Um, yeah. So I think the thing that this actually poses to me, without going into the nitty-gritty of the article, is... Would we see the same type of scrutiny mm. if the new PM was Rishi or whatever his name yep. was? Basically, if the new PM didn't have ovaries, how would we feel? Probably not. I. <sighs> it feels, you and I spoke about this not that long ago, that it's fascinating that whilst America is still struggling to even consider electing a female president, the UK's already had three. And out of those three, political beliefs aside, I think we can mostly all agree that two of them, Margaret Thatcher didn't, you know, Margaret Thatcher actually kind of, I think, did the job, whether, again, you agree with her politics or not. Um, the other two, I just feel, were completely 
uh, feel, I shouldn't say talk to Liz Truss already in the past, but that actually speaks volume. I'm already talking about her as if she's not going to last long and she's going to be like, that actually speaks volumes to me, that I'm already looking at this going, you're not set up for success in any way, shape or form, you're not going to last. Like, there's no way I'm looking at you going, you have an ounce of credibility. And I'm not saying this because it's not my political party. I'm generally saying this as this is, this. it's like looking at someone build a house on the edge of a fucking falaise in French. I don't know what my what the word is in English, on the edge of a of a of the ocean and looking at the foundations and going, this isn't gonna last. Like this the whole thing's mm. gonna fall apart. Like it's on wonky ground. What are you talking about? Like why what what what? And I feel like it was the same for Theresa May. Um mm. and you just look at this and go, what the fuck is happening? Again, this is just an interesting parallel here. And I'm kind of, I think, giving America a little bit more credibility that they haven't yet, but maybe we're waiting on hiring a woman who actually has a shot at making a fucking difference versus setting her up for the utmost failure so that what we can say again, well, look at that. This is why we don't have women in power because, well, a bit of a disaster. Well, and I'm really like, thank you for acknowledging your own political affiliation there because as you were talking, what I was thinking in my head was... Is there any correlation that all three of these women have been in the Conservative Party? And then I fucking stopped myself because I was like, that is just me projecting my own political beliefs. Oh, I actually fucking love that you brought that on. And I'm going through my WhatsApp to try and find this message because I actually texted someone who is British, currently not living in the UK, but deeply in politics. And I and I posed that exact question. I think it was a conversation that you and I had, Sorsha. But I asked the question, mm. is there a reason why all of the female leaders that we have had that the UK has seen have all come from the Conservative Party. Like, what's like, what's the thought process here? And, and I'm trying to find it. It's a very good question. I call it the nanny syndrome. The only women that Eton boys ever respected were their nannies. Whoa. Oh, my God, there's so much to dig into. So much. And I was left with a, whoa... Like, what the fuck? And, oh, interesting concept. I don't think I fully agree with it, but I was like, there's maybe something here that's quite interesting. And it goes back to an experience that I've had in America, which has been working with a company mostly led by men who always talk about the importance of women, women at the table, we love women. And then my realization being that all the women around you in your lives have been your mother's your, your sisters, your wives, or your kids. You actually have never mm. worked on a daily basis, on a regular basis, with real women in fucking power. So no, you actually like women. You don't respect them. You don't know how to communicate with them. You don't know actually how to work with them where you see them on the same level of playing field with you. And I can tell that because when I started working in roles where I was helping, being of eight, setting you up for success, I was deeply appreciated and welcomed. And the moment that I was like, oh, actually, I, don't, I disagree with you here. Let's talk about it. So, because I actually think you're wrong. That didn't go down well at all. And that was my realization of, oh, okay, okay. I'm seeing, I'm seeing a pattern here. You have respect for women, but actually you don't. You have respect for women as nannies. When it's additive to your life. That's it. When we're propping you up, when we're helping you, when we're looking after your kids, when we're creating your agenda for you for the day, when we're creating the PDF files that you need so that you can show up at a meeting, when we're paving the way for you, not when we stand our own ground and we're adding zero value to you, but we're adding value to everything else. 
to everything and, so, and everyone so that's, else. And everyone else. And that's where the parallel with the nannies, where I was like, there's maybe something here that's interesting. Again, a harsh, this came from someone who is definitely not conservative. Um, as you can say, you know, that came with, you know, deep-rooted, you know, a political totally. bias, 100%. But I was like, oh, the nanny syndrome. Never thought about that. But there's legs to it, I think. I think there's legs to it. And I also think that there is... Bear with me here because it's a wacky parallel. Like when I've already done about... twelve wacky parallels. I'm here. <laughs> Regular scheduled programming. Um, when I think about the women in the United States that are in elected office, um, obviously there are hundreds of them, thousands if we add in municipal on the Democratic side, but on the Republican side, they're. God, I always come back to this fucking woman and I think about our episode a couple of weeks ago about giving airtime, but like Majora, Majori Taylor Green, the woman who doesn't agree that women should be working. And she, by the way, is, isn't, you can't write this, but isn't she divorcing her husband because she's shacking up with her PT? Oh, there's two. There are, there are two men that she's had, um, uh, what was the language? I actually think it was like sexual... It, it wasn't sexual relations because I was like, go on, go on, bring us back to the 90s. Um, so I think it was like sexual, cons- con- anyway, began with a C. Um, but yeah, no, she she's allowed to get divorced and to request for, for privacy. Um, and I can, this is harsh. Again, I'm owning my own bias here, but I feel it in my gut. If that woman was to get pregnant from one of those men, that she would want an abortion. We'd give it to her. Well, it's a, no, I don't even think it's a bias. I think it's reality that many people have called out the men voting on all of these laws that give no rights to women have benefited from getting abortions themselves with the women that they've cheated on their wives with or their daughters oh, going yeah. and having sex and ending up and it happens. So they've benefited it from it. So they can. So yes, I, I again appreciate you holding your. I might be biased here, but I've I, I've heard so many people, both on the left and the right, call out that bullshit because it's so fucking obvious. It it it's so obvious, and it is it's just blatant disregard. It's just blatant disregard. Um, but sorry, the reason I bring this woman up is when I think about the uh, conservative party the conservative ideology there is a lot of stigma around like the woman in the house uh, affiliation with religion there isn't so much affiliation in particular in the conservative part in the uk the way there is with the conservatives or the republicans here in the states when it comes to religion specifically i think the um old old mindset and old value of man woman household led by man as the breadwinner woman i think that very much so does still exist in the conservative party within the united kingdom and i think that to me is a part of the validation for your friend who made the remark around the nanny syndrome and they've all come up at times where they've had to clean up the mess exactly tony which is what nannies do it's what they do given yeah like for better or for worse, and I'm not. I'm, they fix. That's it. There's a pile of mess. There's a giant fucking mess in front. And thank God you're here. We'll f- you'll fix it for us. But and I think this is where it's tied. 
oh, no, no, we don't want you to think for yourself. No, 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 no. We're fine you coming in and cleaning and fixing. We're not okay with you paving a new way. We're not okay with you paving new law. You can try and fix the shit that we left behind. Which again, it goes back to like that Eton boys syndrome, nanny. Like I was like, oh, I can, again, harsh, 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 harsh. But the more I sat with it, I was just like, uh? and it is true. Whether it was Margaret Thatcher, whether it's Liz Trust, Trust, not Trust, whether it's Liz Trust. Um, I said a different word earlier. We'll keep that <laughs> off. Um, they've had to come in at a time when it's been absolute fucking shambles. And I'd love, actually, I, I've never, I don't know if you have, because I remember you, we've had this discussion multiple times of why is it that, in my case, I was like, why is it that my party is incapable of fucking putting women forward and hiring them, putting women forward and voting them in? Why is it always the other party, the Conservative Party, that seem to be keep putting women and we're, like, what are we doing wrong? Why is my party doing wrong? What are we fucking missing here? Um, which again, we spoke about it in America, that there is something interesting, but my God, are we not setting up these women for success? I want to move us into the other piece that you brought up last week, Tony, on, for some reason there, there is like a deep connection here. I won't even call it a correlation, but with Meghan Markle and mm. the royal family, and it's not in the like clean up the mess but for me, how I see everything that went down with that was that she was some type of scapegoat. And she was a woman, she was a black woman, and everything was her fault in how it's been depicted, in in particular in the press at home. Um, and so I want to just hear from you on Meghan Markle, how the impact of her joining the royal family, like what have you seen out there? on Meghan Markle and how do you feel about it as a whole? I mean, my most gut reaction has been it's just despicable and it's embarrassing being British and I found myself being like, I oh, fuck. Like, I, I, I've, always, I've always found the UK tabloids or the British tabloids to be despicable and disgusting and I still remember, like, the row that Hugh Grant got into and, I like, there's so much there to unpack, which I won't go down, but I've, I've had such a disdain for the gossip rags and that world um, that seeing Meghan Markle being pulled apart and actually there's someone, I need to find this article, but someone did a study on social media when Meghan Markle and Harry showed up for the funeral and someone did a study and basically said my fears were proven right, that it was only 85 accounts on Twitter that created the millions and millions oh, yeah. of hate pieces trying to completely discredit and create all of the misinformation and the lies around Meghan Markle, which have been absolutely fucking fascinating and extremely scary that all it takes is 85 accounts, basically bots, to create that amount of hate that then just gets picked up and then just like takes on a life of its own. But there's a, I can't remember, it's just two things that I clipped and I can't remember, I did the bad thing of clipping and forgetting the source, um, but someone said, when you single out Harry and Meghan for commercializing the firm, because right now, you know, they cut their ties, so they have to make their own money. So everyone's looking at them as like, that was what the, the term I used last week of like, I guess they're going to be the richest influencers the world has ever seen. But when you single out Harry and Meghan, Meghan, sorry, Meghan, <laughs> when you single out Harry and Meghan, Markle, for commercializing the firm, it's an attempt to conceal the entire 
entire being that is the monarchy slash corporate connection. Mm. It takes away from the fact that monarchy, capitalism, monarchy, corporate commercialization has always been a fucking thing and they become the scapegoat. Um, and it ties into what we briefly spoke about last week, which was this uh, this ideology that the monarchy is some kind of archaic, irrelevant institution. And it allows that irrelevant, archaic institution to continue and continue doing and using all the power that it has when you have these two scapegoats, which I thought was absolutely fascinating when you couple that with this new study or research that came out that, wait, hold on a minute, it's only actually, no, the world doesn't actually hate Meghan Markle, and no, the the UK doesn't actually hate Meghan Markle, there's just 85 accounts in a great slander, or great slander process, or a slander case, um, it's just fucking fascinating, like, you just can't help but go, what the fuck are you trying to protect, and you're trying to protect that we are irrelevant, forget, forget we're here, and let us continue living in power, and so there's something interesting there for me, um, and my God, I don't know what that woman's gone through. And I, I can't even begin to wrap my head around. And I don't think we ever will. Like, no. Nor do we need to, it, I think. Well, yeah, that's a very fucking good point. Oh, See, I... Even oh, Harry, no, go for like, it. no, I was going to say when you talk about Eton boys needing fucking... And I'm not saying that Meghan Markle is a nanny needing to clean up a mess. But, you know, Harry wasn't far from perfect. He was still the kid that showed up at a... Let's not forget he was a kid that, that showed up at a dress-up party wearing a Nazi costume, you know? Oh. And again, it goes back to, oh, the privileged world in which you must have lived to not think that that is a deeply deep... And he's apologized multiple times. But what's interesting to me here is take him outside, and that's truly, I think, with the help of Meghan Markle, who has helped him, yanked him outside of his white, privileged monarchy institution behind closed doors very safe very gated he's been yanked out of that and i think he has come out far better he is talking about things like mental health he is talking about things like having to you know make a living create a legacy all things that i imagine if you are born into the firm you don't need to worry about what your legacy is it's already written what your legacy is going to be like it's, we're going to give you a charity great you're going to look after that charity and people are going to love you well, why do we need the charity in the first place and don't even get me started on fucking donations and charities which makes me want to vomit but there's something really interesting there of just like i think that that guy has been yanked into somewhat of the real world and that real world is obviously hollywood so it's not really real real world but Mm. Yeah, but it it's very real in comparison to being a monarch. Like it that at the end of the day, you know, there are probably ten thousand people that will be celebrities in the next ten years. There are two people <laughs> that will be the king of England in the next 10 years and that's me being harsh and giving your man 10 years to live right like it's it's just a very different level of prestige and privilege and one that i don't think anyone will ever truly understand you know what's also really interesting i think you've helped me was you were saying that you've helped me understand why this whole article in the garden that i found which is basically called um Royals for rent, will Harry and Meghan become the world's biggest influencers? The reason why influencers and the influencer economy works well is because they are seen as authentic and real. And I can... Normal I can, humans. Normal humans. And I can understand who they are. 
And that's never going to fucking happen with the royals. There's nothing that the royal family or the monarchy would want less is that they all... And that was the issue with Diana. She's exactly. Not, she's too authentic. We can... Relatable? No, we're not fucking relatable. And every picture that you see of the queen, even in her last few weeks of just like sitting and going, how many millions worth of diamonds are sat on that woman's fucking head? She's wearing a fur coat. Um red fur coat with white fur trim in like it's like none of that is relatable but that's that's how monarchies work they don't want relatability and so it was interesting seeing this whole thing with even you know harry being authentic and honest and open that's too relatable we don't we don't fucking want that and by we i mean the monarchy doesn't want that mm. but you bring up a good point when you think about the well and i also actually have no idea if megan and harry's goal is to contribute or be a part of of their influencer economy but but i think that it's not even that it's not even that social i think people are saying they don't have a fucking choice what other skills do they have which is what's really which that's this whole article has been pegged as well they don't have the royal purse now so i guess they're tapping into the influencer economy which also baffles me because sure sure you can shit on the influencer space but actually some influencers have deep skills are really knowledgeable have created you know media empires like what the, there's something and, and what and we're gonna say that the monarchy have skills come on also i'm sorry i'm pretty <laughs> sure that harry <laughs> has gone to some of the most prestigious schools in the entire world and is a and trained air pa- airplane flyer. What is the Nick pilot? Jesus yeah, Christ. pilot. And Meghan Markle also has got... A- Meghan Markle is an actress who I'm sure has also got schooling, but like many other skill sets than being an influencer, which they don't qualify for. <laughs> like, I, I know that ev- not every job in the world has a fucking like resume that you need to pitch for, but like... In my opinion, to be an influencer, you need to be an, a real human, like a normal person that has like lived a life. And you then create a community around a particular niche that you care about or that you do on a very small social platform that you build. Maybe it gets to a million, maybe it gets to five million. Insanely successful. I don't necessarily see that in the future for Harry and Meghan. I also it'll be fascinating to see what they what they come up with. It'll be really interesting to see what what they do Wait, for themselves. Wait, haven't they created? A they've got some kind. Streaming I think of, company. Yeah, they've no, they've got a they've got a production company that I believe is has got some good ties or some ties. I just don't even say. I won't use an adjective here. That I've got some ties. I think with Netflix, and mm-hmm. there's a future podcast model there. And there's a. Um, I think I think both of those two humans are trying to figure out what the hell they should do with the rest of their life. Um, but I thought that article was so fucking fascinating. I'm just like, it's the last thing. Um, and then they say something in the article, it says, I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm scrolling, looking at it at the same time, but before Megan was a royal, she was an influencer. No, she fucking wasn't. She was a high paid actress in one of the, a pretty fucking successful TV show. Um, Literally. It's like I, just, some... I think people are conflating the language of influencer with celebrity. Um, the firm, ha- this is what's fascinating. The firm, i.e. the monarchy, has a has a track record of coming down hard on members of the family who seem to be exploiting their association. Again, we're okay with the firm making a fuck ton of money in association with being the firm and the monarchy, but members who are inside, 
oh my god you know what this is reminding me of and this is a really fucking weird parallel and as i'm gonna say it might make zero sense whatsoever but there's a really well-known woman called amaranth she is uh this is gonna be a really weird parallel she's a streamer on twitch who has made a fuck ton of money by reimagining pushing the boundaries of what's possible on twitch of pushing the boundaries of what's possible on Twitch. And one of the things she's done is she's she basically sits in like a kiddie pool in her swimsuit and answers people's questions. And as you can imagine, that that attracts a huge... And the reason she's doing this is her dream is to create a sanctuary for animals and wildlife and animals that need rescuing. And she did the maths. And to be able to have that sanctuary of animals, she needs anywhere between 2 and 3.5 million a year to hold that. And so she's like, I have 10 years of me looking like this and looking fucking hot and so she's like i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do this for the next five years i'm gonna make enough money to kick off my sanctuary and fine and then she said this thing that struck me so hard and she said people are having real issues with a woman on her own making money by sexualizing herself if i was working in the porn industry or if i was working in movies that were lit and i was making money off of my sexuality or i was an influencer making other people money from my body no one would have an issue with it But the fact that there is no one else making money from me but me means that people are really fucking pissed off with me. And there's something there because it's true. No one, no one, not very few people come down hard on women in the porn industry because there's a lot of fucking men making a lot of fucking money. But she's like, my biggest critics have been middle-aged men, business people who have huge issues with what I'm doing. And she's like, I can guarantee you that if I worked for them, or if I worked in their industries and was helping them sell a lot of products or doing profit, no no one would have an issue. So she nailed this thing of when it is a woman using her own body and her own sexuality to make money solely for herself, no matter how good she's going to, people have an issue with it. And I think there's a, as I said, there's a weird parallel here, but it feels like if the, this idea that the monarchy making money for the monarchy, that is all good for the monarchy, there's no issues with it. But the idea that someone is breaking free from the monarchy, and then there has to be no tie. She, they cannot absolutely in no way, shape or form make any benefit, do anything good if it's, if it's benefiting just them. And I, it's a very, as I said, it's a very weird and it's a very pulled apart sort of parallel. And it's no, it's I know what you're saying though. But this, there was something interesting listening to this woman, and I've never thought about it in that way. Of oh wow, it is true that look at the amount of movies and the amount of body that we show in sex scenes, and the man is never shown, but the woman is also shown because we know sex sells and female body sells. And well, but the female woman body in particular, in particular, but the woman who the, the woman in question is making very little profit off of her own body. But the industry is, the production company is, the ads are, the marketing, everyone is making money but Especially her. the stunt double. Uh-huh. Right. Versus then, the actress they're portraying. Mm-hmm. But I'd never thought about it. What happens when a woman goes out on her own and she's the only one profiting from her own sexuality and her own body? Then we call her all kinds of names. Then she's despicable. How dare she? She's cheap. And, it was, and I swear, I, I listened to an interview with her and I can't even remember how I ended up on a rabbit hole on her. Um, but I listened to an interview on her three months ago and I swear that's been living rent fucking free in my head. Rent it's fucking terrifying. free. Terrifying. Terrifying. Because that's something that's deeply rooted. Deeply, it's all deep. like ingrained. Well, and it's, God, <laughs> we're on a train of, of parallels. I'm literally staring at my Elizabeth Warren sign and I think of the, oh my God. I think of the 
we lived in the world of we don't want Hillary and we don't know why. Is it because she is it just because she was a woman? But you couldn't say it out loud because she wasn't sexualizing herself, so therefore you couldn't like say no, you couldn't you couldn't make it bad. She wasn't embracing her feminine side. She was trying to be one of the lads because that's the only thing she knew how and she was told her whole life that that's how she fits in or take it seriously. Yeah. Same with Liz Truss. Apart from her like random things with cheese. But like that that is like it's the, again, if we think back to when we ask God full circle here as we kind of wrap out, like when we ask the question of why is it that the three women who have been prime minister in the United Kingdom have been from the conservative party? The three women... I won't speak to them because I don't know them personally, but what I saw emulated to me as a consumer was we're a part of the men's club. Yeah, 100%. We're the old boys. We'll have a cigar. We're not actually women. They benefit from us because the conservatives look good because they can go and say, well, we put women forward, but they put women that they're comfortable with. But they put women forward that they're comfortable with. If some beautiful woman came along who embraced her sexuality, who wore you know, long flowy dresses and I'm not, they would see her as an aide. You could be a, an aide, the wife, the girlfriend, not as someone who can hold her own, which is, goes back to, wow, we're broken as a society of how much we judge a book by its cover. Oh, it's so fucking it's, broken. It's, but it's a fundamental thing. You said the language earlier to, to your court, like it's ingrained. There's a fundamental piece of that, that I, if I like acknowledge my own bullshit, like I play into in my own life of like things that I wouldn't ask my partner to do because I'm doing them. And like, that is all just like ingrained in who, in me as a person. I like catch myself in it. It's it's something that you and I have in, I think it's something that you and I have in common, which we were both brought up with this idea of figure out how to survive on your own, pull your socks up. I'll then now switch to speak for myself because I don't want to put you in that bucket. But this, and I tweet, and I actually shared this on Instagram the other day of I looked at someone's TikTok who she'd been struggling financially and she asked for help and she was saying that her community was saying, well, no, but thank you for allowing us to help you. And I was just sat there going, God, the vulnerability of asking for help. And that is deeply rooted also for me of, you know, being brought up by a by a single dad and we know that we've society has done this to men of you should have the answers to everything you don't ask for help that's why you don't and it to the very basic of we joke that men never ask for directions and would rather get lost than ask for direction because it's been rooted into them for their whole fucking lives you better know where you're going you've got a wife and two kids to take to point from point a to b what you mean what do you mean you're stopping and asking for directions figure out on your own be a man like we've broken men we're a man bro we've broken men for that and so i think that has been ingrained in me of don't ask for fucking help that's a sign of weakness figure it out on your own and it generally took whilst i was trying to get married one my mum's best friend who actually not, not yelled at me but sat me down and said shut the fuck up i am going to help you do you understand how good it makes me feel that i can help my best friend's daughter who's dead who is finally getting married to the man like do you know what that does for me and it generally it, it like slapped me in the fucking face of this is nothing to do about me. It's, there's no pride in saying I don't need anyone's help. I don't, it's, there's nothing about me being a burden. It's just like there's someone out there who genuinely wants to fucking help because it makes them feel good because they've been waiting, I don't know, 15 fucking years to be able to do this thing. Or maybe it's a promise that she made to have my mom. I don't fucking know. But it was an interesting thing and I don't know how I got onto that. Oh, but to your point of women in 
power women in business, we've been told, and I think it's slowly starting to change. And I think you and I are in that generation that we've seen, we've experienced both. I remember when I started in the workforce, it was like, fucking blend in. Don't stand out. Be a lad. Go out to the pub. Get fucking drunk. Um, Don't wear high heels. And if you do, you have to either go super sexy route or go super like corporate. Um, And if you go super sexy route- do not take them off. And do not fucking take them off. Um, if you, even if your feet are bleeding, fucking this. And, and I think this, this isn't. And I think we're seeing the cusp because I'm now seeing younger, younger women who unapologetically feminine. Unapologetic. I'm not going. I don't. I'm not. Don't want to be one of the fucking lads. Are you kidding me? And I'm seeing the dudes also embrace that. Thank God, there's someone here who doesn't want to just go and hang out in the pub. Who actually wants to do something. And I'm air quoting here something more feminine. Who actually wants to go and sit down in the lounge or outside and have a cocktail. Like, I don't want to go piss up in a brewery here. Like, there's something beautiful that's happening. And God, we've spoken about this, like breaking down the gender stereotypes that are so fucking archaic. This is bringing me right back to the first episode from our sabbatical of Santa Marina, Finland's PM. At the end of the day, we need more women to run for office because we cannot live in the world that we live in. But we've got one that represents all. Exactly. It's just, it's an unfair burden. And what that allows for is people to poke holes in the deepest, darkest places. And fuck, do we not need any more holes poked at women? We made it. One more episode done. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening along with Tony and I. If you liked it, please do share it with your friends and family or give us a review on whatever you listen to for your podcast.